Hello and welcome to a new episode of EV Brief. Polestar is a new EV brand that recently began deliveries of its vehicles to Australian customers, but this is a startup with serious backing from Geely in China and Volvo. Their Polestar 2, the only model on sale in Australia currently, is a premium liftback sedan with Tesla's Model 3 and internal combustion engine competitors like the BMW 3 Series and Audi A4 directly in its sights. With a large all-electric SUV confirmed for Australia in 2023 and additional new models in the pipeline, Brand clearly has large ambitions and I had an opportunity to sit down this week at a media event in Sydney with Polestar Australia's Managing Director Samantha Johnson to discuss the company's mission, direction and more. Samantha has a background in finance and business and extensive automotive industry experience, including with Harley-Davidson, yes she does ride, and more recently with Volvo Cars. Samantha is just the sort of person you want running a new EV brand like Polestar. She's passionate about cars, technology, sustainability and design, and understands the Australian market. So with that, let's get into the interview. You've got a lot of experience in the automotive sector. Um, congratulations, firstly, on launching a brand during a pandemic. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I suppose I wanted to ask, um, with your experience, what is it for you that differentiates Polestar from other brands? It's, it's, uh, it's nothing like what I've seen or experienced before. It's, it's not traditional. Uh, it's leading its own pathway. Mm. Uh, it has a direct-to-consumer model. So it's really, really simple for consumers to um, be educated on our website, everything about the brand, the Polestar 2 vehicle, which we have in the, just launched in the Australian market, uh, and everything about charging, about incentives, everything else, the education's there, but also a very simple customer journey as well. There's not a lot of different steps. You can go through and you can purchase your, your vehicle online, uh, finance, insurance, everything else. It's all, it's all very easy. But we also offer, um, you know, we have activations and test drives available in different cities and we will have some permanent locations, um, you know, showrooms in key cities um, in the future. So it's, um, but we, we just have a very different, um, you know, brand perspective. Um, the sustainability is very important for us. We're doing a lot of things with um, life cycle assessment report mm. in really measuring, you know, the CO2 emissions of our vehicles now and saying that, uh, you know, moonshot goal of 2030, you know, we aim to have a vehicle from factory to gate where there is zero CO2 emissions. So that's, um, you know, we don't know how we're going to get there yet, but we are taking all the measures, including we've recently called out globally to different organisations, university students, innovators, um, consultants, everyone to, to come in and, and share with us ideas on how we can make that come to life. And I think this life cycle assessment report, we published the methodology to the industry mm. to say, look, this is, this is where we are now. This is the methodology behind it. So that if they're not currently doing that, they can measure themselves and say, right, this is what we need to do with um, all of our inputs, our components, our suppliers, um, using blockchain technology where we can to say, um, you know, this is what we need to, to build into our future products. So every Polestar, uh, every new model that comes out will be more and more sustainable leading up to that net zero emissions vehicle. So I think that's one thing that really stands mm. out for Polestar amongst other, other brands. Uh, and we have this beautiful design. Uh, the design, so our um, CEO is the ex-head um, of design for Volvo. So 
everything that we build into the vehicle. So the, des the design phase is where we design the sustainability into the vehicle. Um, the infotainment systems, using Google um, infotainment system, or Google Automotive, uh, the safety, um, the, uh, all the products, the interior, the exterior of the car, everything is very detailed so that when, you, when you're driving that car, it's such a good experience from, from all aspects. So I think everything in the Polestar is um, it's a very different proposition to what you have in other brands. So you're pitching a real, I suppose, shift in, in mobility, I suppose, Correct. a real shift in driver experience. That's right. Yeah. I suppose leading on from that, um, Polestar's quite unique as a startup in that you've got, I suppose, the backing of these big players, Geely and Volvo, behind you. Does that, um, do you lose some of the freedoms and benefits that come from being a startup by having those, those big parents behind you, do you think? No, I think it's actually an advantage because mm. we have almost a century of, you know, safety, engineering, mm. um, corporate knowledge, um, that's, you know, uh, that's our backbone. And then we, we've moved into a different brand. We've got some fantastic new people on board. Um, some, you know, new ways of doing things and we really are going out there and saying we are Polestar and um, different engineering setup, different um, design, and a lot of things we are and the sustainability, what we're doing there is, is Polestar, it's our own. So we've got a good, really good backbone from the Volvo okay. car group and Geely ownership, uh, and that's a good thing. And then we have our, you know, we're a startup, we're go out, able to go out there and, and do what we want to do mm. uh, that makes sense for us. Um, and it's, it's really, um, you know, we can lead the pathway and, and be innovative in what we do. Great. I definitely want to come back to the sustainability briefly later. Great. But I suppose on to sales and models. Um, uh, you know, presently you've got just one, you know, albeit very good model uh, on the Australian market. Um, can you talk a little bit about your sales ambitions for the Polestar 2? Well, I can tell you that uh, what we originally planned, uh, we've already, you know, very early on, we had to increase our volume because right. we, we could just see the demand because we, we opened up our, our website with uh, interest um, to our newsletter and test drive interest and that was like very high. Our test drive um, take up or bookings have been, um, you know, sold out most of mm. the time. So when I say sold out, they've been, been taken up. So mm. that's been really, really strong. And we, we've done a lot of test drives so far and there's a, a big wait list of test drives out there as well. And we, we have activations around Australia at the moment uh, where you can go and test drive your, your vehicle. Uh, so the sales um, volumes with all the brand awareness that we've been building have, um, have been, just the order intake has been going up and up and up and especially with the petrol prices going up so high, even with the, um, the, the sort of uh, the federal breaks, um, mm. it's still very high and people are just, there's just this big shift to electric vehicles and I think that awareness just in, in recent months is really becoming more predominant so there is a real, um, real momentum behind electric mobility. So we're mm. really seeing that in our order uptake. So our, our sales are, you know, are very strong um, and we will report to, to VFAX our sales results. Great. Great. Um, so our order intake is, you know, really, really taking off, um, way above our expectations. Um, but, you know, our handovers of vehicles, which is our sales that we report, we'll take that slowly and making sure that, you know, we're a new brand, we've just started up. There are things that, you know, we need to improve on and make sure everything's working. So um, we'll slowly ramp up the, those handovers mm. and, and make sure we get it right and then really ramp up. Mm. It's good to have the strong sales. What does that mean though in terms of, I suppose, lead time for customers? Are you experiencing some of the delays that uh, other manufacturers are? Well, we, um, 
Because we're, we're, we are a launch market mm. and uh, we prioritise bringing in um, additional stock up front, pre-configured stock, right. because we could see what was going on in the market and we thought, well, there's a real demand for, for cars now. So we have done that and we even now have uh, not too many left, but we do have um, cars on our, um, you can go on our website now and look for um, vehicles ready for, for delivery. And uh, you can go in there and you can see the, the mm. stock that we have configured. I think I saw two configurations this morning that were left. Um, yeah, two, Joe, Joe two said or more three. coming online. Yeah, is, but they're, um, they're the different types of configurations, yes, but, but they're, they're stock behind that. Yeah. Um, but there are more sort of coming into the country. Um, yeah. And as they arrive, we put them up onto the, onto the website. Uh, but that stock is, is limited. <laughs> it won't last too much longer. Yeah. Um, and the pipeline of um, con uh, configured stock will build to order. Um, we're probably looking about August, September at this point in time, but our model year 22, because our demand has been much higher than what we expected, we will probably come to the end of our production slots soon mm. um, and need to, to cut off model year 22 and then start up model year 23 when we've got that ready to go. So, um, yeah, so we, we, the sales ramp up, it, it, it will have an impact on um, what we have, um, but... Um, yeah, you just have to get in there quick, I would say. It's not going to last too much longer. That's, that's great for the brand. And obviously next year we've got the Polestar 3 potentially being launched in Australia. So we're looking at a, an SUV, uh, is that right? That's right, yeah. Large SUV, yeah. Um, five-seater, um, very much sort of um, probably at the Porsche Cayenne level. Mm -hmm. That's where we, we're sort of pitching that at. Um, beautiful vehicle. I'm really looking forward to that coming mm. to the country because, you know, the, the Polestar 2 is such a, uh, an adaptable vehicle being a crossover or fastback. Um, but the, the Polestar 3 is really that, that next, you know, large SUV for those that, you know, want to, um, you know, have the, travel around with the family and have a bit more size. It's it just, um, and it would be great to broaden the product range. And we know the volume sellers for Porsche, BMW, Audi, they are the SUVs, uh, particularly in markets like Australia, aren't they? So yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of interest for the Polestar mm. 3 already. You know, the <laughs> Polestar 2 is going through the roof. Um, Polestar 3, yeah, we, we're hearing a lot of interest. So we can't wait to be, yeah. you know, launching that product and just um, being able to great. offer that to consumers. Have you personally had a quick, quick peek at it or...? Uh well, because of COVID, I haven't been you able haven't to go over live and, yeah. and see anything. Um, but just, you know, what, what I've seen from the pictures, yeah. um, oh, beautiful car. I can't wait to drive it. <laughs> Great. I really can't wait. Um, in terms of, I suppose, again, supply chains, you've got this, this chip shortage at the moment, which is affecting all sorts of industries. Um, How has that affected Polestar uh, in Australia particularly? Well, we, we're, um, you know, open to the same issues as every other brand. Mm. Um, so we have had some, some things that have, um, you know, we've had to adjust. So the pilot pack... We've had to adjust that um, temporarily to the pilot light. Mm. Uh, so, but you know, the big thing for us is making sure that we inform consumers as soon as we know um, that these things are happening, um, and also any pricing adjustments, which is what we've done with that situation. Um, and that's all we can do. And I think everyone's in the same boat. You mm. know, we, we we can't have everything, and it's either we stop the cars or we take that adjust. little component out. And and that's not not that's just something that we we can't offer at the moment. Yeah. So I think customers are really understanding of that as well. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about uh, having a physical presence. Um, so you've got the Polestar space concept uh, in capital cities overseas. Um, you're planning a similar rollout in Australia, say Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane? Um. Yeah, where, where the volumes are high enough, yeah. um, then we will have a space or a destination mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, it's a showroom, but unlike the traditional dealerships where, you know, you have a sort of a sales process and, um, you know, finance and what have you, it is really just um, product experts who, you know, love the brand, love mm. the cars, can talk to you about any of those topics, um, really show you through the car, anything you want to know. 
um, you can experience a test drive. Uh, and just um, they can also help you on that online journey if you wanted to do that there. Um, otherwise, um, you can then um, call our customer care centre. It's based here in Australia, or um, chat or email and and find out more about that that customer mm. journey. Uh, but it's really a it's a non-pressure selling environment where it's non-intimidating. Come in, touch the cars, feel them, you know, yeah. um, drive them, and, and find out everything you can. Um, and that's, uh, that's going to be um, where there are the, the larger volumes um, permit that. In the smaller areas, we'll have either temporary activations or third-party operators mm. that will work with us on um, test drive and um, handover capabilities, just so in, to ensure that customers have the opportunity to, right. to test drive vehicles. Um, but with a direct-to-consumer model, we're seeing quite a lot of people buying our cars without seeing the car and without having a um, test drive because they, they've, they've heard so much about what we've been doing overseas and awards that we've been winning um, and, and a lot of other things. Mm. And the, um, just the information that's out there, it's, it's just very exciting. So they, they're doing that. Um, and we have a seven-day um, guarantee on the vehicle as well. Um, if it's under 500 kilometres, less than seven days, if you receive your car, it's like, you know what, this isn't what I expected, it's not for me, then, um, then that can be, be brought back. So that gives people who buy without test driving, you know, that comfort that if it, I think I know what it's going to be and I'm going to really love it, if there's something, some reason why it's not what they expect, then um, they've, they've got that flexibility. And we haven't had any comebacks so far. But it's a pretty unique offering in, I suppose, the automotive space, isn't it? It, uh, it yeah. is, and I think, I think we needed to do it um, with yeah. the COVID situation because there was, there, and at the time that when we put that in place, there were so many people who, you know, you weren't actually able to take test drives. Mm. And we thought if this is something that's coming and going and we don't know what's going to happen with COVID and we think it's just the right thing to do, mm. uh, it just allows people that flexibility. Um, so there's those that just, just want to buy online. They know what they're going to get. They're going to buy online. Um, but then there are others they do want to, um, you know, see the vehicle. They want to talk to somebody. They want to take a test drive. They want that whole experience. And, uh, and for those, um, you know, they've got the option of which way, that, what they want mm. to do there. Now, Polestar Australia offers um, five years of maintenance um, with the vehicle, is that yeah, right? Yeah, um, so five-year service, five-year yep. roadside assistance, uh, five-year warranty, eight on the battery. Yeah, so wow. just so you don't have wow. to worry about anything. And your, your service intervals, I think the first service is two years or 30,000 kilometres. So it's really a um, hassle, much less of a hassle driving an EV for a customer. Mm. And customers will be able to access um, technicians uh, through the Volvo network, is that right, in this country? It'll be a hybrid model. Okay. So we have the Polestar service network. Uh, which will be pick-up and delivery yep. to centralised um, locations. Uh, where we, because the global model is to, to partner with Volvo, okay. being one of our parents. Uh, so where we can um, set up Volvo um, locations for our Polestar service points, we will have that in place as well, where the customers can actually deliver their car to that, that Volvo um, location. So it'll be a hybrid model between two. Now, we know in a couple of years' time or whenever um, someone is, a car is due for a service, um, we will contact that customer and then um, let them know what the arrangement is for their location. Mm. That's something you touched on earlier, sustainability. I think um, environmental concerns and ethical concerns are quite a core to a lot of consumers buying decisions these days. So can you talk to us a little bit about what uh, Polestar is doing in terms of, I suppose, what, uh, what your mission uh, is around the environment, around sustainability and how this, um, this climate neutral car concept will work? Yeah, well, it's, it's, um, it's just central to so, so much that we are doing. And we were yeah. involved in um, Electric Vehicle Council's so COP26 discussions mm -hmm. uh, last, late last year as well, really 
you know, trying to, to, to promote sort of, you know, what we're doing in that space. But I think for us it's, um, I spoke about earlier, the life cycle assessment report and, you know, so there's, it's about not saying that you're doing things but actually physically doing things, having the teams in place, um, calling out and um, making an announcement. So we've, we've, we've written in stone hmm. that this is what our commitment is and we are putting that out there publicly and saying, um, that's what we're saying we're going to do. And we don't know if we'll get there, we don't know how we'll get there, but we're taking every single step we can to move in that direction. Um, and we're involved um, as much as we can with organisations, with recycling companies for battery end of life, um, and uh, you know, really making sure that from the cradle to gate and the manufacturing process, having a net, um, zero, net CO2 emissions vehicle, um, you have, uh, you know, if we have, um, you know, solar, wind generated, you know, renewable energy mm. use for the charging. And then at the end of life, having the um, battery recycling process, because they can be used, reused in other electronics. So we already have partnerships in place in Australia, and we're working with stewardship councils in Australia, and we're do doing a lot overseas as well, uh, to make sure that we're as effective as we, or sustainable as we possibly can be with that, with that process. So there are opportunities actually for the car battery to be used, say, for, for home energy storage or in, in other devices or something for, eventually? For different, for, yeah. Depending for different. on the, the recycler, obviously. E exactly, yeah. yeah. So there, And I think as the, um, as the technology improves, there's so much work that um, is being done on battery technology mm. for right up front in the manufacturing um, to make sure that that's as sustainable and as effective as possible. For example, we use um, recycled um, cobalt that's tracked via um, blockchain, mm -hmm. um, so not just for um, sustainable sourcing, ensuring that, but also ethical sourcing as well, to make sure that, you know, this is the most ethical way that we can source that, that cobalt. So, you know, so that's already one thing that we're doing, and, you know, we will constantly be looking at what can we do to be more sustainable, um, bring in, um, hold our suppliers to account, for making sure that they are sustainable, they are producing products that are more, and there's just so much technological mm, yeah. innovation in all of that. And it's an incredibly complex supply chain, obviously, for, for an automobile, isn't it? So. it? It is, and that's why we've called out to, you know, everyone globally mm. to say, you know, come and be part of this journey with us. Um, we can hopefully get the, the best that there are working on these projects. It's a, um, a, it's a massive movement, mm. Um, mm. you know, environmental sort of innovation. Um, there, there is a lot going on in that space to make sure that, you know, what we do going forward um, just lowers our footprint. Mm. I think, um, speaking to that, you know, vehicles since the dawn of time have been based around this, this block of this internal combustion engine. Um, and the driveline will be very important, obviously, in electric vehicles, but we're now moving to a point where software is really going to be key, isn't it, um, going forward? So um, I suppose, you know, just how, how is software going to differentiate Polestar in, in, in the industry moving forward against other manufacturers? And do you see... Um, I suppose by having Google's backing that you're able to adapt more dynamically, more quickly than, say, some of the other manufacturers? Yeah, I think it's a really exciting age that we're in yeah. at the moment where some of the things you used to have to, you know, go back to the manufacturer or you used to have to go into a service centre to get done. Now we have over-the-air updates. Um, so it's not once a year you have your navigation and um, your systems updated. It's just whenever there's an update that comes up, you can do that. There might be performance upgrades. There might be different things that... Um, you know, you might want on your vehicle or access to certain things, mm. and you know that can just be done with a with a software update. Um, it's, it's just amazing, and your infotainment system. You know, the ability for apps and other things uh, to be included, and also you know having your home. If you're signing in on your Google account, 
having that connected to things that you're doing at home and your profile. There's just so much in that, that connect connectivity space and just ease of being able to do things via software updates rather than having to physically go in or get a mechanical update. It's, it's a software update. Yes, yeah. I suppose the, the, the other good thing about that is that you're able to respond to customer needs as well. I, I know right. that um, Europe, people wanted that app, a better route planner, uh, to be on their car, and I think Polestar worked very quickly with the app designers to get that into the car's uh, Google Play Store and get that up and running. And you've now got a web browser as well, so um, the brand is a lot more dynamic. Uh, it, it is indeed, and when you talk about sort of route, route planners or route planners, mm. um, you know, it's so easy when you when you plan a trip somewhere and it's like, here are all the different charges. This is the one that's type 2 or, yes. you know, CCS and, uh, you know, um, what kind of, uh, you know, uh, wattage is coming out of out of that charger and, yeah, you can just really plan out where you're going to go and it actually suggests to you this is what, where you should go and this is when you should stop. Yeah, well, that's a good segue to charging, actually, because a, a number of other EVs, you know, they've got the built-in navigation system and they do not have any connectivity to the charging network or they don't really help people navigate a bit of a minefield really out there for first-time electric vehicle drivers, but I found the Polestar 2 is absolutely brilliant. You know, it tells you your arrival state of charge, it tells you um, how many charges are actually in use, um, just like the Tesla system does, and I think it's a system that is really um, good for those who are coming to the EVs for the first time. Yeah, no, it is, and, and uh, like for me, I do most of my charging at, at home and at work, yeah. but um, when I'm out on the road, I'll often have the Google Maps up and the seeing where the charging units are because uh, if I'm going into suburbs, I'm, I'm not used to and I, and I don't know. I'll be like, oh, where, where are the charges? I'm, I'm just curious. Mm. Where are the charges in this suburb? And um, so you look that up and you, you're going, oh, there it is. Okay, it's a, and you know, which brand it is and what have you. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. It is, but it is a real concern of Australians, I think, isn't it? Because we do have quite big distances. Um, so I suppose, you know, how, how do we, taking your Polestar hat off for the moment, how do we really improve... Um, I suppose reliability and accessibility to charging in this country. Do we need more rapid chargers? Do we need better um, better software and better battery technology? Or do we need better education? What do you think the, the things well, are? Well, I think the, the, I mean, the battery um, technology and software will, will come, but you've got to say that um, you know, batteries don't necessarily need to be larger. No, you know, people are no. looking at oh, longer range and bigger batteries and what have you. I'm not sure that there. that's necessarily what's required. It's about no. having the right in infrastructure in place and the speed of charging and um, those, those other factors. But yes, you, you would do most of your charging at home. Uh, if you're fortunate to have charging at workplace, and that's really good. The government is, uh, federal government has um, put a lot of money into you know, funding um, grants for uh, infrastructure, um, and that would be in the cities, you know, charging infrastructure in the cities, uh, rural areas, um, I, I guess where the, you know, where it's required at the moment to make um, consumers, make them more accessible to consumers, because mm. you do have people that live in apartments, um, you've got building um, companies um, and some local governments that are, uh, cons you know, working on how to build charging infrastructure into future um, residential developments. So there's a lot of things going on there at the moment, mm. um, but also through industry groups such as the Electric Vehicle Council, you know, looking at um, charging and speaking to people from charging companies, from EV companies, from energy companies and, and all different um, groups and also listening to the public and saying what's working and what's not working with charging infrastructure at the moment. What do we need to put in place to make um, sure that we have the adequate charging, we have the reliability, we have the right... Um, environment around those charges that really um, makes it a, an easy experience for, for consumers to have an EV. Mm. Um, but certainly right now, um, you can have an EV as your first car and it is so easy just to 
you know, have a continual sort of charge there. And whenever you get into your car, it's it's either full or it's or it's you know it's yeah. nearly full, and you're not having to um, wait till you run down and then go into a, a petrol station. It's just something you just you know it's just so easy. You just plug it in at home, do whatever you do, and the next day it's it's full again. So I think the reality is most Australians will have access to off-street parking and charging, and more more and more buildings with Strata are looking at this now, aren't they? Yeah, that that's right, and I think we. Where you do have to park on the street, you know, there are considerations around how do we get power mm. to, to the streets for those um, situations as well. I think that might take a bit longer for, for that to come into play, but I think that is really important as well to make it accessible to, to more people. Great. Well, look, Samantha, thanks so much for joining me today, and oh, uh, congratulations you. on the recent launch of the Polestar 2.